Welcome to Debating Metal. I'm your host, Kenneth Dean, the Dean of Metal, along with my co-host, Chris Kay. Today, we're taking you to the height of groove metal and the beginnings of new metal, metalcore, and one of its most eclectic artists. The first band formed in Brazil in 1984 and rose to prominence in the mid-90s with releases like Arise and Chaos AD. The other band began after the lead singer and rhythm guitar player quit the first band at the end of 1996 following the death of his stepson. If you haven't guessed by now, we have Sepultura's Roots versus Soulfly's self-titled debut in a head-to-head that features Max Cavalera versus himself. Who will come out on top? My guess is going to be Max, but anyway. Sepultura Roots versus... I don't know. (laughs) Versus Soulfly, Soulfly. All right, so I I know that this is not one of your favorite subjects, sort of kind of like science or math for some people. In this particular case, this is new metal, groove metal, metal core-ish stuff in there that's not really your favorite stuff, Chris. It's, uh, no pun intended, the early roots of of those genres. (laughs) Exactly. And... You know, um, Sepultura is a band I really like, especially in their earlier uh, albums. But the Roots is around the time that I kind of dropped off from the band, and then Soulfly I didn't even hear for years until after. Um, I had probably heard like a song here or there, but I didn't hear the full album until I want to say like late two thousands. Soulflight, you know, the way they are now, you're probably more into what or you would probably be more into what they do now compared to yeah. what, what, what they did then. Because that was that was kind of one of the things was uh, um, because of what Soulfly was at the beginning, I totally overlooked them. And then when I heard their later stuff, I mean, they've got a new album coming out this year. And when I've heard that, I was like, oh. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, and, and and it's funny because I've, I'm kind of the opposite and went the opposite direction. I really dug their first three albums and maybe even a couple more later. Um, but as they've gotten harder and harder and more and more extreme, I've, I've listened to them less and less. And yeah. it's weird because in reality, I should be listening to that, not necessarily more and more, but... I've I've opened myself up enough to say I should be able to you know enjoy this, but I haven't even put it on. Period to sit there and say what is it about the new stuff that I like or don't like. Um, so and it's not because it's not been on purpose or anything like that. It's just we've been you and I have been so busy doing the shows and listening to some, all this other stuff and and the stuff that you've introduced me to that I really haven't had time to go back to listen to the newer Soulfly stuff. It's weird. Well, I mean, that's part of what we do is we're finding new stuff to listen to as well. Exactly. So, who knows? All right. So, Roots versus Soulfly's first album. So, the specs on this. Sorry. Sepultura, uh, at the time in 1996, was Max Cavalera on vocals and rhythm guitars, Andreas Kisser on lead guitars, Paolo Jr. on bass, and Igor Cavalera on drums. Roots was released on February 20th, 1996 on Roadrunner Records, recorded at Indigo Ranch in Malibu, California, and it was produced by Ross Robinson. You're going to go ahead and take the lead on this one and introduce all the tracks, and we'll go ahead and talk about it. So from what I understood, um, following Chaos AD, 
they were at kind of an impasse because Chaos AD was was pretty big for them. Uh, kind of opened up the world in a way for them as a band, and so they they put out roots where their producer, uh, you said Ross Robinson, yes, he kind of pushed them to bring in a lot of the elements of their their culture. So you're going to hear a lot of that through Roots. Um, the ba- So the album starts off with Roots, Bloody Roots. Uh, you can tell immediately that Sepultura has fu- kind of fully evolved into groove and new metal. Uh, they've, they've changed from some death metal elements and some more melodic stuff. And this is, this is definitely groove. Uh, the vocals are pretty brutal. The percussion is just integral for that sound, and by that I mean that kind of Brazilian metal sound, and it's just heavy. But for me, it kind of loses something um, from Chaos AD, and and that's more of the melodic sensibilities that were kind of still there, even though they were being phased out. But this, this is a really good song. It's a great start to the album. I, I thought so. You know, listening to when when well, when the album came out and was released, and I picked it up, I you know getting into song one, this song to me kicked ass. Um, I am someone so for for not a lot of you. <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to explain this so it doesn't sound totally weird and offensive. Um, so people who obviously everyone who's listening to the show doesn't know who I am personally. So. To, to understand who I am, I'm I'm a Latin American who grew up in a pretty much traditional, uh, for lack of a better term, white American household. It's kind of weird that way. My grandmother, even though my grandparents spoke Spanish to each other, she, she went out of her way to make sure she spoke English. Um, we didn't do a lot of like traditional Puerto Rican things that other Puerto Rican families would do. Um, and so... I didn't have that exposure to um, Latin music as much as other Puerto Ricans who grew up in New York did, or, or Dominicans, or any um, Caribbean Islanders, as, like, as I like to call us. So there's a part of me that when I listen to this music, and this was even before I married my wife now, who has introduced me and, and kind of expanded my musical horizon when it comes to uh, the Latin culture. Um, I, there was always something about me that loved drums. I love percussion. Now, the, 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 the white American side of me that I say I grew up as is that I don't have a lot of rhythm, which is, you know, weird because I'm Puerto Rican. <laughs> <laughs> but so... I, I can I, I'm not great at keeping time. So as a drummer, I would suck. Um, but then again, at the same time, I've never practiced enough to sit there and say, you know, uh, I could I would be bad or good at it because I do play instruments, so I can keep time to some extent. But I'm not the timekeeper. So anyway, you're, you're not the atomic clock. No, I am not the atomic clock whatsoever. So anyway, to to round to, to to bring an end to this kind of introduction about who I am <laughs> after two and a half years of doing this, um, <laughs> the the rhythms that Sepultura have come up with with this album, or even some on Chaos Chaos AD, Chaos, on um, even some on Chaos AD, um, really really attracted me. Uh, I just I love Igor's playing, uh, especially on this album. 
a lot of, you know, especially on Chaos and this one. And then, you know, we're going to talk about Soulfly's album with Roy Mayorga on drums. I mean, it just, the drumming is really what attracts me. So for this song, um, just, I won't even call it slow. It's very plodding, very heavy, but very, very cool. I love this song, but you can tell it's not the same Sepultura that was out two years prior with Chaos AD. You, you can see every single album, they progress and evolved more and more and more. And this album was definitely a sign of the times. And this song was the intro to that. Yeah, I mean, you can tell. It's 1996, and bands are starting to use um, solos less, etc. That's a, that's kind of like a theme here. It's it's simplified in a lot of ways, but it's very heavy. So that takes us to track two, Attitude. Um, this is the the song that was co-written by uh, Max's stepson Dana, who would pass away not long after this album would come out. Um, and and I mean that co-written by our lyrics. Uh, the beginning sounds more industrial than new metal and it's pretty sludgy uh, you know it feels very simple compared to the earlier outings like kind of like i mentioned you're losing a lot of that melody but um you know it's they kind of i want to say songs like this from this band and a few others really kind of created the sound of what a breakdown would become like the in what i mean is like that that uh metalcore breakdown this song almost sounds like the whole thing almost sounds like a metalcore breakdown <laughs> i agree that there's a lot of especially on this album and especially when we get into soulfly's album where there's those parts where you know in metalcore they can be playing a million miles an hour super heavy screaming whatever and then all of a sudden the whole band just stops. It becomes a head-banging jam of really slow, heavy, plodding riffs, and then it can lead into different directions from there. And well, well, the singer would usually yell something like, um, uh, "Disrespect your surroundings," or you know, something. <laughs> and then well, and, I don't and then really bom, think bom, they bom, said bom. "disrespect your surroundings," but okay, those, <laughs> the, those are actual lyrics. <laughs> Um, <laughs> what what band is that? I have I'll, no clue who that is. I'm gonna look it up while you continue. <laughs> but for me, um, this song, this song's again. You know, you go into you, you're coming out of roots, and you have this song that intros with a traditional berumbau percussive instrument um, that's kind of like a bow. You know, like a, almost like a bow and arrow type of bow, and it's it's percussive. It has that little intro, and then it just once it gets going, the tribal rhythms of this song is really what hooks me in. It's a really heavy song, like you said. Max and Dana wrote the lyrics for this, so there's a lot of personalness uh, to this, with with especially with Dana's lyrics on this. So I think it's a cool song, but again, it is one of those things where. Sepultura is totally diverging away from from where they were once several years prior. So the song with Disrespect Your Surroundings is Mr. Highway's Thinking About the End by A Day to Remember. Oh, Jesus. Day to Remember. (laughs) Uh, So, okay, that takes us into track three, which is Cutthroat. Um, Again, this is kind of a more simplified song. Um, 
it's it's a bit repetitive. It's pretty short. Got some of the, um, I would say, more punkish aspects of of Sepultura, where it's it's still more metal, but you know where punk will kind of like attack. It'll hit you know real quick and then and then jet out. You know, like that's an aspect that I think Sepultura captures in the metal realm a little bit, you know, I would say pretty well, you know, they, they take that idea of what a punk song is and makes it metal. And, you know, it's not my favorite track on the album, but it's pretty fun. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty cool song. Definitely the chorus is straightforward. It's not a lot, it's very repetitive, you know, just saying cutthroat over exactly. and over again. Um, you know, you got some typical guitar tones at the beginning. Um, the the whole thing with it especially it really really started to take effect during chaos ad where where and it, to me i believe that it's andreas's playing that has that high pitch almost kind of like a squeal kind of like a a siren sound to it a lot of the times he he's the one who kind of does has a lot to do with that that's what i think uh, because mm-hmm. On the flip side, Max's, you know, Max's guitars are going to have four strings. He he doesn't even have the t- the two bottom strings on it because he all he does is play the, those heavy riffs. So he doesn't even use those because he's a straight rhythm guitar player. He doesn't play any leads yeah. whatsoever. So that's why I think the, that those high pitched squeals and, and and siren sounds are all Andreas. So that that's the way kind of the song has a, a little bit of that in the intro, and you know it, it has a really killer chug riff you know before it gets going into the verse and, and so i i think the song is cool but again yeah like you said it is a little repetitive with the cutthroat over and over again so track four is uh, <laughs> forgive me on this one you might have to uh correct me on it it's rara mahara yep and so this one features david silveria and carlinos uh brown I don't know why Brown gave me trouble there. (laughs) (laughs) He went right through his first name and then got stuck on Brown. (laughs) Brown. Uh, So David is from, um, he is from Corn, right? Yes, he's from Corn. Okay. So what I like about this track is that the the tribal sound of it is really cool. it's a little bit more experimental and percussive. Like I would say this is one of the most percussive tracks on the album. Uh, the lyrics mostly consist of some slang words, uh, from Brazilian culture and characters like characters of, I would say like Brazilian lore. Um, to me, it's a really interesting track. It's, it's one of the, the highlights on the album for me, to be honest. Wow. I did not think that you would say that. But it is a pretty cool song. Um, again, like you said, very percussive, very tribal. And and by saying very tribal, here's the thing: for those of you listening out there, um, these we're we're going to use the word tribal a lot in for, to describe songs on these two albums because that's what Sepultura did. They literally ad- not adopted but embraced their heritage from being from Brazil and from being from uh, poor areas. And so, like you said, Ross Robinson, you know, uh, 
encourage them to to you know to look at their their culture look at their their country and 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 take something from it and man they dove head first so Mm -hmm. um these these two albums are very very similar in my opinion so there's a lot of tribalness there's a lot of rhythms there's a lot of drumming and percussion throughout both of these albums so and this is the one that really highlights this album a lot um so I think it's a pretty cool song. You think it's a pretty cool song. So um, yes, the 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 song features, and I don't know where Carlinos Brown is from, but I know it does definitely feature David Silvera from from uh, from Corn on percussion. So there's a nice good mixture, uh, good I guess um, not combination, but uh, what do you call that when two people a collaboration, collaboration. I guess yeah there's a nice collaboration between David and and, uh, and Igor on this song yeah the the percussion is definitely the highlight here so that takes us tra- to track five which is a breed apart uh, it's got a really cool opening riff followed by some see I'm not a big fan of vocal fry where it's that uh, you know kind of um. I would say Peter Steele was was somebody who used a lot of vocal fry. Um, now I I would say more often than not, like some bands like In Flames use it, where it's kind of that down deep, uh, bassy kind of sound that that people try to to force a bit. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then Valley Girls use it a lot. So. Uh, that happens and I don't know why it's become such a thing. Um, but you know, I, I, what's cool though is the vocal fry is kind of mixed with these almost like black metal growls, you know, he, uh, Max is really going, um, the kind of primal sounding with those growls and it's, it's got some really cool tribal percussion sections and, um, I, the song really leaves me wondering if Max wants us to open our minds and go our own way. Because he re- he repeats that line about 400 times. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, you know, there was a lot of, um, I guess you would say, uh, eye-opening experiences for Max and the band on this, on this particular um, album when they went to Brazil and they recorded, you know, in, in some of the uh, rainforest, tribal areas mm-hmm. um but he definitely gets a little guttural he gets a little uh in tune with his primitive side <laughs> not to be punny um but the song is cool i mean it's got a there's a there's a riff in there that i don't know if it's the same riff that's in roots but there's a very familiar riff that that keeps popping up throughout the song at, at various times um, I, I want to say it's the Roots riff, but I, I didn't get a chance to really compare. Um, so it's it's an interesting song, that's for sure. Uh, I like do like the drum intro because it almost sounds like a drum line at the beginning, uh, and it goes into that really heavy rhythm and heavy riff. But yeah, it's a, it's an interesting song for sure. All right, so that takes us to track six, Straight Hate. Um, this is pretty heavy, sludgy one. You know, it has a little bit more industrial aspect to the sound. You know, the intro takes a bit, but it's got a nice buildup. And, you know, there's... But I think the biggest problem for me is that there's just not a lot that happens. It feels very 
weighty, I think is a good way to put it. Like it, it's heavy, um, but it feels like something is holding the song back in a way. I I kind of get that sense of what you're saying. Um, I mean, it's weird because the song starts off real heavy, real quick, mm-hmm. and then goes into this bass heavy rhythm um, that has some some cool guitar work behind it. Um, and to me, the, the, one, the one word I have on, on my notes is methodic. This song to me is very methodic. Okay. Um, but there's not a lot, you know, there's, there's not a lot to it. So that's that's part of the issue. Like, even though this album was successful um, and basically carried by the, the title track, if you want to call Roots, Bloody Roots, the title track, um, and, and a couple other songs, but there's, there's there's so much eclecticness to this album. It goes in so many different directions, but they're all kind of a circle around the same type of thing. That's all tribal, but there's there's different directions within that tribalness that that it goes in. This one is one of those songs that kind of doesn't really have a focus per se, even though it's methodic. It's kind of weird in that regards. It it feels a little underdeveloped, like it just didn't quite get there. Right. Uh, so that takes us to track seven, Spit. Uh, this is a, I would say, a metal punk song in a lot of ways. It's short, sweet, and it's a lot faster paced than some of the stuff that came before. Uh, it, there's not a lot to say other than it has some uh, aspects of some Chaos AD kind of stuff on it. Um, so if you like Chaos AD, this is one of the tracks that kind of lends itself more to that style. Yeah, this is one of the songs that definitely uh, says, "Oh yeah, this is Sepultura," <laughs> you know? um, and that's that that's their style when they when they are playing the way they want to play. Put it that way. To me, the song has a lot of groove in it. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's a little punky. It's it's a punky metal kind of song, and it's it's in their pocket when they're when they are jamming fast. Yep. All right, so that's track eight, Look Away. Uh, This features Jonathan Davis, Mike Patton, and DJ Lethal. Uh, Mike Patton, we just recently talked about. He was uh, part of Faith No More, uh, Mr. Bungle, etc. He's got a ton of bands, very talented uh, vocalist. Jonathan Davis of Korn and DJ Lethal. I want to say he he played with um, uh, Limp Bizkit, right? He is the DJ for Limp Bizkit. He was also the DJ for House of Pain. Gotcha. Okay. So um, the song is called Look Away and I Would Rather Listen Away. Um, (laughs) I really have a hard time finding anything to like about this track. Um, For me, I've never really liked Jonathan Davis's vocal style. I can kind of respect... You know, he, he does a lot of interesting things with his vocals. Uh, same with Mike Patton. Mike Patton's a very skilled and talented music, uh, uh, musician, but yes, a vocalist. Um, but man, this song is just not for me. Uh, my, the best thing I can say about it is it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, tell us how you really feel. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you know... I'm not going to say it's the best song on the album. That's for sure. Um, it's it starts off slow and atmospheric, you know, and it gives way to a very guttural Max 
singing, spoken words, almost that fry stuff you were talking about, um, the vocal fry. And this song never really picks up. It doesn't really go anywhere. It kind of just plods away until the end. So I agree with you. It's not one of their better songs. Um, horrible. I don't know about that. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, I get it. It's not one of their best. So moving on to Dusted. Uh, <laughs> I, I So at the beginning of this track, I, I always think, because I've heard it many times, I, I always think that L- Lars must have heard this and meant, said, that's the drum sound I want for St. Anger. Like, it's got that dung, 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 you know? <laughs> and <laughs> so what's interesting about it is you listen to the track and it's very garagey sounding. It, it actually sounds like... I, I kind of wish they had used a mix like this for Saint Anger because maybe the songs would sound a little better because it's the drum part it does go back to more of a traditional snare sound and it I it's not bad it's not one of my favorites but the the riff in the middle is really nice um, you know it's obviously again more of that groove new metal but it does have some thrashy parts in it and like i said that that riff in the middle is more of a of a thrashy sound and it's been a while since sepultura really kind of used thrash so it's nice to hear yes i i I liked it for that for the all the same reasons that you're just you just said um it's definitely a riff heavy song um i i like it it's not one of my favorites but i like it um and it's funny you you bring up the the the, the thing you called it garagey because you know as we all know everyone kept talking about Saint Anger oh that's you know, we're, they're trying to make it sound like a band that's playing in a garage well then they should have went to a fucking garage and recorded <laughs> inside the garage because that clanging fucking metal fifty five gallon snare drum sound is not a freaking garage sound no <laughs> but I, I I tell you this. Pick up, if anyone out there doesn't have it, pick up a copy of Some Kind of Monster, the remix version. I think it has some live tracks. I think it was an EP uh, that came out after the album. That has a completely different mix. It has a completely different drum sound. And it's also edited, so it doesn't have a ton of that extra bullshit on that song. That is a really good version of Some Kind of Monster. And it would almost make you say... Why didn't they mix the whole album like this? So there you go. Um, Dusted. It's pretty cool. Move on. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So that takes us to track 10, Born Stubborn. Um, So it starts off with this kind of uh, warning sound, like an alarm. Um, You know, it's very heavy, has the kind of that Pantera heaviness, I would say. Uh, about the two minute mark, there's a breakdown, which I had, I feel like these songs again, were really the inspiration to what metal course breakdowns are. Cause this one actually, it's not like the whole song is kind of a breakdown. This one actually has a breakdown section. (laughs) Not the whole song it's just the breakdown part. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, this that's pr- kind of revolutionary in a way because there wasn't a bands really doing that at this time. No, I mean, you're you're right. It, it, that's the the breakdown is definitely it's it's weird. So, you know, growing up, I always wanted 
you know, songs that have a certain like start stop rhythm to them. Cause I always thought those were the cooler songs. Right. And then, um, when, when rap became a thing and like Aerosmith and, and run DMC, you know, collaborated. And then there was a, a couple of others that happened throughout the eighties or late eighties. Then when, when rage against the machine came out, I was like, Oh yeah, that's the perfect blend of rap and metal. Right. To some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not necessarily think that, that, you know, corn was that kind of answer, you know, and then in, I think it was 95, I heard stuck mojo and I was like, wow, you know, that's even more into coming tr- almost like a, a traditional hip hop with a metal background. Right. And it's, it's one of those things where every time these things evolved and these songs evolved, I was like, oh, I like that. I like that style. I, I, I. I want to hear this. So when breakdowns became a thing, I realized that that was something I was missing from songs or I wanted to hear in songs where you, you go through this, um, and not necessarily eliminating the guitar solo to get this breakdown part, but it was cool when you heard the song kind of almost come to a stop so that they can then, you know, do this, you know, a cheer, a yell, get the crowd into it, get this heavy riff going. Cause it's, it's kind of like, um, I am the law from anthrax kind of has that during the, the, the pre mosh part that they have in there, mm-hmm. you know, where they get really heavy in the rhythm, you know, and they, they do it a couple of times throughout some of the songs that they did in, in the late eighties. So it was something that was kind of hinted at, but you know, guitar solos would always overtake those parts. But then all of a sudden someone said, hey, if we don't do a guitar solo here and we do maybe a spoken word part, but with some really heavy, chuggy riffs, that might be pretty cool, which eventually became the breakdown. You know, it's just basically a head-banging part. Yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, the, the breakdown is almost a cultural thing now within the metal community. You know, there's there's certain people in the metal community that that is their thing and i've seen it like i i have a friend is a bit younger than me that uh really enjoys metalcore and something about that breakdown that just gets everyone so hyped i don't get it because it's not my you know genre of metal but i like i respect it too like it's it's part of the show and i like even when i went to uh there was a a former friend of mine um that he had a uh a a band a uh, metalcore band went to go see their show and it was i mean it was cool you know like the the vibe of of the people there you know especially with the breakdowns and stuff like that they it just like you can you can appreciate what other people enjoy sometimes too so, yeah. Um, so the next say, next song, next saying, wow, it is Jasco, I believe is the pronunciation, and yeah. uh, that means marijuana. Uh, this is this is a uh, I smell something. A really nice guitar <laughs> instrumental. It shows a lot of uh, Andreas's uh, acoustic skill. Uh, you know, it's nice. It that's. It's just acoustic, an acoustic instrumental. It is. It is nice. It's. It's. It's not one that. It's not one of those songs that had like a beginning, middle, end kind of thing. 
So it just it's it it just highlights his skills. It's not an Eddie Van Halen solo, no. but it's it's nice. <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah. No, it's it's it, yes, it's nice. So one of two instrumentals on this album. Uh well three technically, right? Because Canyon Jam would also be an oh, instrumental. Yeah, that's right. Technically, yes, technically. Um I wanna say that the next one's called Itsari. Yes. And it's another instrumental, again, uh acoustic guitar, but it's a it's accompanied by some tribal chanting. I thought it was a little odd to put two instrumentals back to back, especially because they're not they don't really tie in together other than there's some similarities. Um, but I guess it's not really a problem either. It doesn't bother me. It's just a large chunk of instrumental section in the sen- in the middle. Well, in the I guess in the latter half of the album. Definitely the latter half. <laughs> um, so the tribal instrumental features uh, a, I think it's pronounced a Zavante tribe. Um, they're from Eastern Brazil. Um, and it's just that it's, it's, it's a instrumental song that features that, that, that tribe, you know, with their percussion and their, their, and I say percussion cause it's very loosely, you know, you know, uh, hand and clapping and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, you know, it, they, uh, it's, it's man-made percussive. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's 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 just chanting and, and man made percussion. It's just a real simple song. It's one of the, again, it's one of those experiences that that Sepultura decided they wanted to share with their fans. And they it's it's okay. It doesn't really do much for me. I like it in I almost wish that the two had been combined in some way so that it was but but I guess I get also they are two different um What's why wow, my mind went blank? Um, they are two different uh, compositions, but it's a uh, you know it's it's a cool thing. It ties a lot into that that vibe of the album, so it's it's nice. I I don't really love it or hate it. It's just it it fits the vibe of the album. I would I would say is probably my best description of it. <laughs> Um, All right. So that would be track 13, and that's Ambush. Ambush starts with a more traditional Sepultura sound. It's heavy, has more of a, a similar sound to material off of Chaos AD once again. And for, well, that's really for the first half, I would say. And it actually has one of the only solos on the album in the latter half. Uh, the middle of the song goes back to that kind of tribal instrumental section, and then it goes into back into the metal uh, and that solo at the end again, like I said, which is really cool. Yeah, I, I like the way the song starts off with the the start stopping riffs, you know, and and that that to me is is one of those things that I enjoy about songs um, or metal songs in general. Um, but the song does kind of plot away. And then it gives away to those tribal rhythms, you know, midway through, and, and then you have the guitar solo at the end. So it's 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 an odd song because it's really heavy at first. Then it kind of just stops at that point and says, "Okay, you know, we're going to do this tribal thing," and then all of a sudden we're going to throw some guitar rhythm solo stuff, you know, over that. So it's it's a weird song in that regards, but I do like the 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 riffs at the beginning. 
So I did like Ambush, but Track 14 I like a little better. Uh, Endangered Species, this one's another heavy, aggressive, sludgy track. Uh, it's got some minor scale aspects, which I really like. And, you know, it really sets this kind of, not creepy, but like a, a dark mood to it. And it has a legit solo. Like, it, it is my favorite solo on the album. It's just a good track. It's a very cool track. I like it. You know, it's slow and heavy riff heavy. Slow and heavy riff heavy. <laughs> I actually wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> you must have been tired. That was just a little while ago. Oh, um, you're definitely no, tired. It's, it's, a heavy, it's a heavy riff on a, on a, on a riff heavy song. I guess you could say it that way. And uh, so it's it's pretty cool. Uh, I do I do like it a little bit more than some of the other songs that I had been listening to up to that point. So it tells you that much. So that takes us into track fifteen, dictator shit. Uh, the track starts off with some static that will ignite your tinnitus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a punky, heavy track, and if you like that vocal distortion that they've been doing, this one has it in spades. <laughs> yeah, I, I I wrote down that this is a punky speed metal song. Um, this is this is like for the most part, this is like Sepultura's wheelhouse. You know, song like uh, uh, that they did on B sides like Policia and. Uh, Crucificados Pelos Sistemas, the, those punky kind of songs that they did as B-sides, um, this is like that. And this is a pretty cool song. To me, this is more enjoyable than a lot of the stuff that I have been listening to up to this point on this album. So it almost feels like the last couple songs, um, if, I, if they had been on side one, I probably would listen to side one beginning to end all the time. Um, so, But they left it towards the end and it kind of like... Yeah, it's, it's it's so fast. It's one of those ending kind of end album kind of songs. Yeah, I agree. Know? And so, but there is one song left. Yes, and that is Canyon Jam, which is track sixteen. Uh, so this is a, another instrumental. It's an interesting, you know, tribal percussion instrumental. Wraps things up. Um, you know, it's. I guess technically considered a hidden track because if it was on the CD, I believe it was connected to track 15. Um, yes. But, you know, it's it, it's one of those, like, it, it closes out the vibe of the album. It's not, you're never going to load this up. I don't know. Maybe there's a, a guy out there that would and be like, man, I really <laughs> want to listen to Canyon Jam. Um, <laughs> I doubt I, it. I, you never know. <laughs> Um, but, uh, it's, it's all right. It's a, it fits the vibe of the album as in, you know, there's, there's these instrumentals that are throughout it. There's again, all the tribal, um, sections in songs that, that all kind of connect and this finishes everything out. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's Sepultura hanging out with a local tribe and they're just jamming, literally jamming and, and, you know, Ross Robinson recorded it and put it on the end of the album as a, as a, uh, as a hidden track. It, that's all it is. Um, cool for what it is. So overall, you know, it, to me, it's a step down from chaos AD. Uh, but uh, you know, on many occasions when I've been doing this, where 
I listen to albums again. Maybe I haven't listened to them for many years. Again, this came out in 1996. So it's been quite a while since I've really listened to Roots. I've, I've heard the, the title track a few times in that time. Um, but Chaos AD is, you know, Arise, Chaos AD, Beneath the Remains. To me, those are the three big ones for Sepultura that I like to listen to. But that being said, like... I did find some things to really appreciate about this album. You know, that's that's kind of the fun thing about doing this and really uh, analyzing an album all the way through is you do find some things that you never thought, you know, I'd, I'd go back and listen to it all. Um, you know, there's a maturity that's very respectable and experimentation really adds to that. The, the, you know, bringing in those Brazilian roots. I think that's a really admirable thing to do. You know, you, you could, you could easily emulate other people's sound, but that's not something that I think Sepultura ever did. They, they did find other genres and say, you know, like we're, we're going to be a death metal band, but they always included their heritage and their music. But this is, this is the, prime example of that like they they've really dived into it like you said head first they fully committed to it being a a brazilian sounding album um oh yeah for I sure i love the tribal sounds you know it's, and it's heavy which is also great you know i don't think people often think about just just what that definition of heavy is because there, it can be a lot of things and sometimes you don't have to play a million notes to be heavy you just have to have that like that sound that just dominates and that's kind of what's going on here um it does lose some of the elements that i really love like the guitar solos are very sparse here um and it, and, and i like i said at the beginning this is this is kind of where sepultura lost me but there's a lot to respect here, and if you love that mixture of that Latin sound along with metal, this is a really good album. It is, and you know, it's it's definitely a detour uh, for Sepultura because, in reality, you know, this is the last album that they recorded with Max, and Max would go on to do Soulfly. They go on to continue uh, Sepultura, and they bring in Derek Green, and they kind of go back to doing more of the thrashy metal stuff than they do the, the tribal stuff. Um, and, and Max goes on to literally do like a roots part two. And we'll, we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Um, so th there is that distinction there, there. This was a kind of like a stopping point and every, and everybody went in a different direction. So it's, it's very interesting, uh, situation that kind of happens with this album i like the album overall is it their best album definitely not i mean for me my favorite is chaos ad i know i think you're a big fan of arise and beneath the remains so you know it's one of those things where this album had a lot of stuff going on with it but it, it was not necessarily all good but i at the same time i think it had to happen for them so yeah, I would agree with that. Okay, so as as I mentioned just a few seconds ago, um, so Max would leave the band shortly um, after, or basically at the end of the tour touring cycle for this album. Middle of the summer of 1996, Dana Wells is 
killed in a car accident. There's a lot of um, mystery surrounding the situation as to why there was a car accident. Um, Max's wife, Gloria, which that, that Dana was her son. Um, to this day, Max as well can think and believe that this was a murder, that he was killed on purpose. I, you know, I don't know all the details. I think that, that there was more to it with the two passengers that were in the car with Dana, I believe were the, were the targets f- that from the other car that was chasing them. Um, and I think it's just one of those situations where Dana kind of got involved by accident. Um, but I'm, that's just my thought from looking on the outside. I don't know much about the details. Um, so in, in August 90, 1996, when he passes away, um, Sepultura is playing Castle Donington out in England, and Max literally arrives that day and turns around and goes goes back home. Ozzy Osbourne and, and Sharon uh, offer him a uh, their jet plane to go back to the States, back to Phoenix, and he, the band uh, Sepultura plays as a three-piece that day, and then... Um, Max rejoins the band, rejoins the tour, and ends. They basically fired Gloria as their manager, and Max said, "Well, you know, I'm I'm out of here as well." And his last show was in December of 1996, and in 1997, Max starts Soulfly. Um, so. The first album that they put out is the self-titled debut album. It comes it came out in April twenty. Excuse me, it came out on April twenty first, nineteen ninety eight, on Roadrunner Records. Recorded at Indigo Ranch in Malibu, California. It was produced by Ross Robinson, and Richard Kaplan also provided some engineering and some additional production. Now, if you were listening carefully, these statistics or not statistics, but these. This information, this production information is identical to what happened on Sepultura's Roots album, um, including Richard Kaplan. Richard Kaplan is part of the production team with Ross Robinson. So um, it's interesting because I just I just now looked at the production informa- information for the album Against, which was the, the next Sepultura album, and they have a different production team. So it, it kind of makes you wonder whose side who was on. And it this kind of tells you. Sort of like how Ted Templeman went with Van Halen for one album after Dave left, but he also helped Dave. And then all of a sudden, Eddie didn't like Ted, so Eddie took, you know... Uh, I think the guy's last name was Dundee. I can't remember his first name. Crocodile. To, to produce. <laughs> to produce OU812. So it's one of those weird things, you know. But the production team. So that makes a lot of sense as to why these two albums have so many similarities. Um, Soulfly at this point consisted of Max Cavalera on vocals, rhythm guitars, berumbau, sitar, and agogo, which is a percussive bell instrument. Um, Jackson Bandera on guitars, Marcelo D. Rap on bass, acoustic bass, and double bass, and Roy Mayorga um, on, and he's also, I believe, the drummer for Stone Sour now. I'm not exactly sure, uh, but he was on drums, percussion, and tambora. So, is, no, is that is you that Richie Tambora? I'm sorry, <laughs> not Sambora, <laughs> but ter- by by the way, it's Don Landy. 
<laughs> so I combined the names together to make Dundee. Dundee okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, Donnelly. I knew it was a D in there somewhere, like a D-E-E. Uh, let's see. Uh, my memories of Soulfly, um, again, I didn't listen to a lot of it because I heard the sing- singles on the radio. Um, we ha- we actually had a, a metal station here in Houston uh, for some amount of time back then. And it disappeared. I would Wasn't say, it K Rock or something? Uh, like K L O L, and um, that disappeared. I would say roughly in the early two thousands. I had just started driving, and I was excited, and then it was gone. Um, Damn shame. <laughs> um, so Soulfly, I, I remember a lot of people being into them, being very excited about this album. Um, you know, it's uh, it's a coastal city. So we have a, a lot of Hispanic people here, then, and this is this is really cool because it integrates the the metal sounds w- again with those kind of South American sounds. Very um, unique at the time. I don't think there was a lot of bands doing this kind of thing, and carrying that over from Sepultura, um, Max, you know, I would say brought that to kind of another level with this oh definitely i mean now that that max basically was free of whatever constraints a sepultura may or may not have put on him it definitely showed on this album as you know he obviously had 100 percent input on everything that went on in this album uh, songwriting wise so um we're going to start it off with the first song that anyone heard from soulfly and that was eye for an eye First Soulfly song, first single. Um, to me, it's got a killer opening riff. It's got a really cool drum pattern. Um, this is a great song to introduce Soulfly to the world, in my opinion. Um, there is a little bit... Li- when I say little, it's very short and very minimal. And what I would say, almost like three or four notes. In terms of a guitar solo, that kind of like is that background squeal that I was kind of talking about that Andreas was perfecting in Sepultura. This guy did the same thing and it kind of slows into that tribal breakdown chant part towards, you know, two thirds of the way into the song. But I think it's a killer song. So the guy you're talking about is Dino Cazares. Um, so Burton C. Bell and Dino Cazares at the time were part of Fear Factory. Burton has since left the band um but they are both featured on this this track um you know what's what's interesting so i think it's about like eight or nine seconds in so it's just silent and then all of a sudden it just smacks you in the face right it's just it's just like bam the song starts yeah it's sort of like a a couple of crickets at the beginning Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, boom. so you're kind of like sitting there anticipating, and then all of a sudden, it just bam! All right, um, you know it's it's heavy. It shows that Max has fully kind of gone into this new metal sound, rather than kind of keeping any of the um, earlier stuff from Sepultura. This is a new direction, uh, even though it it does have a lot of similarities, like you said, to to Roots. Um, there's this is a different um, Max than if you were expecting him to go back to Chaos ED. Um, you know, there's some chanting, like you said, towards the end, and it has kind of like those typical 
um, not typical, but like those the the cultural stylings that he brought in on on roots. So you can see that this is a continuation. Like you kind of like I think you said like a roots part two almost. Yeah, I mean th- when you talk about cultural stuff, it's all over this album. Oh, for sure. I mean it's it's in every song. And not not and it's not a bad thing. It's it's just a, it's different. And Max definitely embraced everything. But but at this time, Max also you know it started on chaos. No, excuse me, it started on on roots where they were bringing in outside guests like uh, DJ Lethal, like uh, who was on that one song? Oh, David Silvera. Thing thing you know they had these guests on the songs. So you know Burton C Bell you know, Dino Cazares, you know, and then throughout the album, they bring in other artists on, on several songs. So yes, it's, it's, he, he's open to so many different kinds of music at this point. It all blends into this one album. Okay. So song number two is no hope equals no fear. <laughs> so I wrote ho hope equals, <laughs> equals no ho hope. <laughs> no. No hope equals no fear. <laughs> um, I think it's another cool riff to open the song. The drums are a little more tribal than they were on Eye for an Eye. Um, and that's, you know, as we mentioned, it's going to be a running theme throughout this album. Um, Max definitely embraces his roots, gets back to the roots, so to say, so to speak. Um, embracing the, the Brazilian tribalness of of, of uh, the music. Um, to me, this, you know, there's... See, I did... I don't disagree with you when you talk about how there's new metal in eye for an eye, but this, this is the song to me that is more new metal ish because of max and the way he's singing, or if you want to call it rapping or chanting or whatever, this is where you can see that, that max has embraced a completely different genre of completely different style. Yes. Eye for an eye had the breakdown ish part um, and it had the tribalness, but it, to me, I wouldn't have, that's why I, I, I had a hard time at first admitting that there's new metal on this album because that song to me didn't have all those elements, but I could see where it was hinting at it, where no hope equals no fear totally jumps into it. Yeah. I would say this definitely a little more than the, the previous song. It's got those kind of rap rock vocals. Um, not a hundred percent, not like, like Limp Biscuit, like we'll hear later. Um, but, uh, it does have like a talk box solo and solo is, is maybe a little generous. Well, I, I said it was a solo breakdown or the solo breakdown on this song is a concoction of several different guitar sounds and rhythms. Yes. <laughs> That's what I put down. But it, I mean, specifically it has that little talk box section. So, you know, the, uh, who uses that, uh, Peter Frampton used the talk yeah, box slash uses yeah. it. Um, you know, it fades out very industrial sounding at the end. Is it? So you call it industrial. I call it atmospheric. <laughs> well, I think it's like fear factory kind of sounding, um, which is funny cause it doesn't have fear factory on it. Um, but yeah, it, it's all right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So song number three is bleed. Uh, it's the third single from the album. Um, so we've already had the first, but we haven't had the second one yet, but that's coming later. The Bleed was the third single from the album. Uh, it's the first song on the album that's dedicated to Max's uh, stepson, Dana. 
Um, let's see. What else did I write here? I got to flip my page. <laughs> Where's the other page? Okay. Um, I like the hi-hat intro that's uh, uh, on, in the song. It's a very emotional song um, as far as the lyrics are concerned um, at the beginning because Max is, is kind of screaming through it. Uh, but then it gives way to Fred Durst from Limp Biscuit. Um, him and DJ Lethal. <laughs> him and DJ Lethal are featured on the song. Um, so it goes from a really extreme song to a you know rap metal Limp Biscuit kind of song. So I this my notes were yuck. I'm going to review Bleed by Mashuga here instead. <laughs> <laughs> So the alternating patterns and evolving and ever-mutating riff make this a curiosity and a defining song in Meshuggah's catalog. Jesus. <laughs> You're so sad. <laughs> you know, this is this is like, it's all right at the beginning, but it's like, it once it hits that Limp biscuit part, it lo- kind of loses like all the credibility in, in it being an emotional song. And I just, I, I can't. I, uh, All right, so what are you going to do when we do Limp Bizkit versus Linkin Park, huh? What are you going to do? I'm going to take a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, song number four, Tribe. That is the fourth single from the album. Still haven't gotten to the second one. Um, so <clears throat> this song starts out with a Brazilian chant about the Colum- Columbola leader Zumbi dos Palmeira. Excuse me. Zumbi dos Palmeras. Palm, no, sorry, I gotta say it right. The Quilombolo leader Zumbi dos Palmares. One of the last kings of the Quilombo dos Palmares uh, tribes and was one of the pioneers of the resistance of slavery of or the resistance to slavery of Africans by the Portuguese people who were colonizing Brazil. So there's a lot to this particular song. A lot of things uh, very difficult to say. Um, it is a tribal song. Uh, it's tribal in rhythm. The lyrics are celebrating the tribes of Brazil and life within the tribe. I think it's a pretty cool song myself. I like the tribalness of it. I like the rhythms of it. So this, to me, this song is enjoyable. I don't know how you feel about it. So the lyrics themselves, I did like. I didn't. I I thought they were pretty good. Um, there's some vocal stylings. I feel like he, he learned from Jonathan Davis here. Like there's some similarities to corn. So there's like that really heavy yelling, scatting. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, it's got a lot of, lot of vocal distortion. Um, there are parts that I like, and I, I tend to really like the more tribal aspects of the song. Um, and I do like at the end, so there's this really cool part. It's it, it goes into kind of like a, a tribal traditional tribal melody where it goes into that kind of instrumentation, and then at the end it goes back into the metal instrumentation, but it mirrors the same uh, melody there, which I thought was really cool. That to me was the best part of the whole track. I I agree that I just I just think this is a really cool song. It was a, it was I, a clever I, I, way to end the song. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Okay, so next song, uh, song number five is Boomba. Uh, I the intro to this song is pretty cool. It's a cool jazzy intro that has a very uh, similar sound and 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 
intro to the Doors break on through. Although the Doors song start, you know, goes quickly into um, into the into the main rhythm and riff of the song. This one kind of just uh, keeps tapping out for a little bit. Um, it has a really cool riff. Uh, with the main drum pattern that carries it before it hits uh, the verses start. Again, the chorus is tribal. The breakdown f- part in this song features Los Hooligans rapping in Portuguese. Um, so they're a, uh, a Portuguese, uh, I don't know if you want to call it a band or or artists, um, but they're, they're featured on this song doing their rap in, in Portuguese at the breakdown. I think it's a cool song, but it is kind of repetitive with the boomba all, over, all, all the time, but yet still kind of cool i mean if you're looking for songs to put on your compilation about bass drums then this is one that you should put on there for sure because boomba is a bass drum i guess that joke didn't land (laughs) 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 so you know it's it it doesn't stand out to me other other than that that kind of boomba repetitive um vocal line it is very repetitive i give you that it, it's it's uh <laughs> it reminds me a lot of like the, if if this had come out later this would have been somebody's theme song in like early 2000s wwe or uh, oh yeah, yeah like, i can see that maybe and i said yeah like i would say like maybe 2004 ish when they started bringing in band like new metal bands a lot to mm-hmm. be, this would definitely be somebody's theme song oh for sure absolutely all right so that brings us to first commandment um which is another is the second song on the album that's dedicated to dana um this intro starts with some background crickets and some tribal drums which lead into a really cool riff um so it's more tribal patterns on this song this song speaks directly to the uh what's the word to use <laughs> assailants uh the accused the murderers if you will um that max and gloria believe you know uh acted that night where dana got killed this is speaking directly to them and you know he's you know the first commandment is thou not sh- thou shalt not kill it's repeated throughout this song he's speaking he's singing and then at the end he speaks directly to them and that it, it's a pretty interesting song when you look at the lyrics it, it 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 could be emotional to some folks so i thought this was one of the better tracks on the album um you know it's got some industrial elements uh, you know so there was the prodigy and they had a little bit of um, heaviness to their their electronic music, I would say, and it kind of reminded me of that like middle era of the Prodigy in some ways. I don't know if other people really get that, I guess, but um, you know, it, it also kind of ties into that tribal drumming at the end. I thought it was a, a pretty well crafted song. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's it's one of the better songs in the album. Um, it's funny you bring up the prodigy thing because uh, I I I can see it, but I'm not so versed on prodigy. I mean, I, I'm really heard a couple of songs, and the one that stands out to me the most is Firestarter, only because Gene Simmons re-recorded that song, mm, okay. he covered it. Um, but I'm I'm not a big well, I'm not a fan of it. One, but two, I'm not. I just never 
that's one of the things I just did not get to hear very often when I was at the store, uh, at the record store, because it just wasn't played very much in our store. I grew up around people that listened to it. I was never an electronic music guy, but at the same time, when you're growing up and you're a kid, you're when you're around other people that listen to music, you don't get, get much choice in the matter. True. So that was that was one thing that I, I did hear quite a bit of with some of my friends was the prodigy. There you go. All right. Uh, song number seven, Bumklot. Um, this song I like, I like a lot. Um, squealing guitar intro. Um, and I say squealing, it, it is, that's a squealing high pitched noise that Sepultura and Soulfly have perfected over the years. Um, the riff is really cool on this song. Um, but one of the things I really, really like about this song, you know, is they, they, they have, so the song has got three verses. The first two verses, after Max sings the verses and the drummer, uh, Roy, goes into like a really fast drum roll to, to, to go into the chorus. On the third one, he doesn't do it fast. It's more like a, rat- a rat-a-tat-tat. It's, it's a little slower, put it that way. Um, I, th- I think those kinds of things when you're, when you're recording songs or writing songs and putting them together, those are things that it shows how much time and effort you're putting into a song. And I and this song pays off. I, I personally think this is a really, really cool song. And, you know, uh, I forgot exactly what bum clap means, but it's not a it's, it's not a good term uh, for, <laughs> so for Rastafarian. It means a couple things. Jamaican, it means blood clot. Um, but it's also an insult that means motherfucker or piece of shit. That's the one I'm going with for this song. Uh, I don't think he's talking about a blood clot. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I, I I think it's a really cool song myself. So what 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 are your thoughts on it? It's another one of those that kind of plays off of a um, a specific word, which is something that that he does a lot um, in his history with uh, Sepultura, and then moving on to Soulfly. Max would often pick like a word or a phrase and make that the subject of a song. And, um, this is, this is one of those. So it has a kind of a catchy vibe to it. It's, it's, it's one that you can kind of head, not headbang, but like nod along to, I guess. So it, to me, it it's one of the, the more interesting songs on the album. Okay. I'll give you that one. Um, I, I, I truly enjoy Bump Clot. I think it's a really cool song. It's one of the first songs that attracted me on this album. There was Eye for an Eye and Bump Clot. Um, so that, that was something that really stood out to me. Um, all right, coming in after Bump Clot is Soulfly, which is uh, an instrumental. This is the beginning of what would become basically a regular occurrence on all his albums. Uh, I believe maybe one or two don't have a soul fly on it, but I could be wrong. But um, every single album that he does has the song soul fly. So it's soul fly one, soul fly. Well, this is soul fly one, soul fly two, three, four, five, six. Um, I believe only one album does have, does not have it. And I, I did not check on that. Um, but it's a, it's an atmospheric song, instrumental. Um, and it has a couple of different phases. And then around the, 
to me, the better part of the song starts about two thirds of the way in where there's this guitar solo that, that comes in and, and the solo, you know, for what it's worth, kind of gives me a John Frusciante vibe uh, to it because it almost sounds like it's being played backwards. And I know John has that style that, that he can play and make it sound like that. I can, I can get that from there. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it's got a really nice build to it. Uh, honestly, it's one of my favorite tracks on the album. It just—it's a really nice instrumental. I and I had never really heard it before, so it was—it was a pleasant surprise. Okay, there you go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. So yes, I was right. There are twelve Soulfly albums, and eleven Soulfly songs on Ritual. Soulfly 11 was the last song. So, there you go. I was right. For once. <laughs> okay. Next song is, uh, let me say this right, Um Babaruma, uh, which was the second single from the album. And this is a really cool song in that this is a cover of a Brazilian musician named Jorge Benhor's uh, it's it's his song. It's a samba funk song about an African football striker. And for people who are not familiar with football, um, it's soccer in the United States. And <laughs> <laughs> that that was a funny way of, of saying yeah. that, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I did that kind of on purpose. <laughs> if you're not familiar with football, <laughs> for those anyway. Um, so yeah, it's about a soccer player. Um, the song. In fact, if you when you listen to it, um, and I made the comparison, this is almost very, very true to the original. Um, obviously, modern sounds, modern recordings, and more tribal in a way than the original. But you know, doesn't change the lyrics, doesn't change the rhythm, doesn't change really anything about the song. It just he just puts it through heavy guitars, heavy drums, you know, and all that all that jazz. So it's a really really cool version it i believe they did some really cool remixes on it uh, i can't remember if the world cup was going on at the time and that was one of those things to help cheer on brazil during the world cup but it is a very cool song this version also features <laughs> los hooligans again who appeared earlier in the album um so yeah they did uh what uh three four different versions of this track uh or, or i guess three uh, including the original, the LP mix, and the World Cup mix, like you said, um, it's it's a cool track. I I like it because it has that kind of um, appeal to being something kind of bigger than itself, right? Being part of a of the the soccer or football experience. Um, you know, it, I what I read was it's a chant done when dribbling past opponents. So if you, I used to watch all the time when I, when I worked at one of my previous jobs in the, uh, all the mill guys, um, and the drivers, etc. um, just ate it up, love football. And so we would watch the world cup. It was, it was a lot of fun during that time period. Cause every, you know, when everybody's involved and everybody's enjoying it, you can also feed off of that vibe, feed off, feed off of that emotion. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, this is, this is a fun track. Like it's just, I don't know how you couldn't like it other than if you just don't like heavy music. (laughs) Yeah. 
And then why are you listening to this podcast? <laughs> we want everybody to listen to this podcast. <laughs> All right. Um, song number 10 on the album is Quilombo. And um, not Columbo, the uh, the cigar. I was, was going to say, <laughs> cigar, uh, I, I used to watch yeah, your right? show. The cigar smoking uh, <laughs> Peter Falk. No, Quilombo. Um, and in this particular case, it's, it's pretty straightforward. It's a song about the tribe and its leader, Zumbi. Um, I think this is a pretty cool song. Again, this this song features DJ Lethal in it, but this time it also features Benji Webb, who is the lead, uh, lead vocalist of reggae metal band Skindred. I did not know Skindred was a reggae metal band. I never listened to Skindred. I heard one song. I didn't think that, I, I don't recall it being reggae-ish, but I could be wrong, but I don't ever recall listening to them on any sort of uh regular basis for me to know anything about them and the fact that they were a reggae metal band i i thought the the lyrics were probably the most compelling part of the song and it's about uh you know a slave escaping his bonds um which is always kind of like a i would say a hero's journey you know and, and when you have a song that is about a character or a person that is you know reaching from from the bottom and and rising up that's always a compelling aspect of a song uh, you know bands that we talk about like iron maiden or judas priest are, are kind of synonymous with you know building up somebody um as the focal character in a song and that, i think that's kind of a cool feature here so this was one that kind of stuck out to me it's it's not my favorite style of of music in in that like there are variations of of this new metal sound in here but i thought that the lyrics were really kind of compelling yeah and it's it's very cool because it it, it tells the story of of zumbi dos palmares you know being the guy who was that one of the last kings and and being the pioneer to resisting slavery so it, it's a, it's a really cool you know because they were they wanted to you know i'm not going to get into it but it, it's a cool song about his story i mean he was god he lived in the 1600s you know that you know i think he was born in the late 1500s died in 1645 so it's it, he's been around for a while and his story is one of legend so it's pretty cool um up next is a song fire um that's a very up-tempo chuggy song um very fast uh with a chorus similar to the to a breakdown part it's kind of weird it's like the the breakdown is the chorus i think that's pretty cool uh third of the way into the song it slows down kind of turns tribal and then the it the chant that intro tribe the song earlier in the album is spoken through during this part so, so basically tribe has now become a spoken word part in the middle of the song or towards the latter part of the song um, pace picks up again about three minutes in and the, the chorus outros the song it's a pretty cool song and I, I like how they threw in tribe there in, in towards the end of it I mean it's a pretty cool heavy track I would say this is one of the easiest ones to just rock out to you know, if if you're a casual fan, or just you hear this song, I think pretty much anybody can kind of get on board with it. Um, you know, the rhythms in the middle build back up to the main riff as well, which I I like. So it kind of, like you said, has a 
a breakdown section that's that's more of a like just again that tribal sound but it it builds back up into the main riff which is a nice effect um and then honestly it ends on probably the best solo on the album yeah that's true there's not there's not a lot of soloing on this album at all it's no. more breakdown parts an extension of what happened in roots so it's but it's nice to yeah, hear oh one. yeah of course there's none on saint anger uh, <laughs> <laughs> um going back to zumbi real quick i i'm gonna make a correction here he was not born in the 1500s he was born in 1655 he died in 1695 his reign as king of um the dos Palmares was from 1680 to 1695. So I want to make sure I get my information correct out there. Okay. The next song is song number 12. The song remains insane. Um, that is uh, an interesting title. It's something that, that really um, Max has taken along with him throughout the years. Um, the, the song starts out with a Brazilian news report. And I, although I don't know what they're saying, I do know they reference Max, they reference Sepultura. My best guess is that they are, uh, it's a, basically a radio news report of Max quitting Sepultura. That's my, no, actually it's, uh, it's a, a recording of when he accidentally stepped on the Brazilian flag at a concert oh. and got arrested. Well, screw me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do enough research on that part. But uh, so, but okay, that's cool. That's that's good to know because I I know you heard it that they re- they say his name, they talk about Sepultura, um, but I couldn't figure out the rest of it for the life of me. Um, so yeah, it's it's hard to understand. Um, I had to kind of look it up and and do a little research on that one, um, but yeah, it, it's I mean it's a pretty cool song. It's 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 very heavy, uh, but it's it's got a lot of like that that very much noisy aspect to it. I I, I don't know the best way to describe it. It's it, there's a lot going on. Yeah, and it, and it's and it's a it's a, a combination of a couple of songs really. I mean, there's a there's a it's a cover of a of a song chaos basically from ratos de parao and then Mm -hmm. it goes into attitude from sepultura so that's interesting as well um so there's some and i'm assuming he wrote attitude because he doesn't give any other credits other than to uh and and jao gordo so um the song it is pretty ruthless and brutal if you want to look at it that way um so it is one of the heavier tracks on the album but that's the way he is i mean as you can tell the way he ended and i say he max the band sepultura ended roots with um dictatorship was it right i think it was the last song yeah yeah that's technically there's the the hidden track but yeah that's the last official so you know the way that that album ends and then this song is getting towards the end um, so it's it's pretty cool, um, but it it the end is interesting because it has a, 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 an outro, a spoken word segment um, that then leads directly into the next track, which is thirteen. No, do you have anything else you want to say about this one before we go into no? No. All right. 
All right, so track 13, um, so track 12 goes directly, so the song remains insane, goes directly into No, and that song, to me, is one of the cooler songs on this album. Um, Very chuggy, very groovy. Um, It's probably got one of the best lines in all of metal, and I say all of metal because as much as, as there's been a bajillion songs written in the metal genre, there's not one song that says no bullshit, no slave shit, no motherfucking hootie in the blowfish. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love that line. That, that line is awesome. That was, yeah, that was actually in my notes as well. I mean, th- that stands out because hootie in the blowfish <laughs> needs to be called out. And <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, um, I, I thought it was interesting. I mean, the, the, all these no's and in reference to, uh, you know, political topics, um, just kind of like calling out everything he, he sees as bullshit. Mm, exactly. So, yeah. I'm- you know, it's it's got some industrial aspects because you got uh, Christian Wolvers from um, uh, Fear Factory. So more of a Fear Factory connection. And you know, it's just kind of all interspersed throughout this whole album is that industrial kind of sound. And that and that squealing and high pitched noise that we talked that I've I've talked that Andreas kind of perfected, that's part of the industrial sound that that has always been a part of Sepultura and Soulfly. Uh that I think is part of the industrial sound. Um plus, you know, the the tribalness and all that stuff. It's he he's perfected a lot of different things to, to make Soulfly. Um, all right, so next song is Prejudice, uh, song number 14. And the way I have this song is this, this is Soulfly. And now that I know that Skindred is a reggae metal band, Soulfly meets Skindred. Um, this is metal reggae. And the song features Ben Webb or Benji Webb uh, in a more upfront role than the other song that he was featured in. Um, and where a solo should be, another slow riff and drum heavy chanting and rhythm part starts. So it, this is a unique song in that regards. I'm probably not a big fan of it, but it's it's unique. Unique is a good way to put it. Um, you know, it's a song about anti-racism. Um, you know, it's heavy again in kind of that rap rock. Like you said, it's, it's, uh, it's a reggae. Um, it doesn't really appeal to me a whole lot. You know, it's a, it's also just like a constant topic right now, just in general. Um, so it's always relevant, but it's it's just not a, a track I, I love. Okay. Uh, and what is supposed to be the final song on the album is called Carmageddon, song number 15. It does contain a hidden track, and we'll talk about that in a second. Um, but this song is just an atmospheric outro song. It's really all I could say about it. Um, and it it leads into, and, and I say leads into it because once it dies out, you got about a minute and a half or two minutes of silence, and then it comes into the hidden track, which is Soltao das Matas. Um, and that's a, Soltao is a tribal chant that's sang by what to me sounds like a woman, I'm pretty sure it is, uh, with some additional people who clap to the rhythm and repeat the chant throughout the song. It's a short minute and a half song that ends the album. I mean, it's it's just more of kind of like tying things up in the same way uh, that the the Canyon um, Jam, K- 
Canyon Jam did. So, yeah, I mean, it's not not a lot to say about it. It's it's nice. It's pleasant. Yeah, it's know, it's one of those weird things. things. Just literally, it's just to me, it's very atmospheric. You know, it, there's there was a lot of those elements throughout the album. So, um, for me, this album really basically cemented what Max did on Roots to be at the moment at at the at that given time, nineteen ninety eight. That cemented what Max was doing. Um, he he said, you know, this is this is I did this two years ago. Here's here's me more into it, diving even deeper. The tribalism, the the culture, all that stuff. You know, he's he's pronouncing it that he's loud and proud at that point, and I think it works well. Uh, obviously, it, it ended up being a gold record, if I'm not mistaken. So this this did a lot to to put him back on the map, especially after quitting Sepultura, the band that he, the only band that he knew up to that point in his life. So. For me, like I, I can see that he's doing what he wants, and that's that's awesome. You know that this is this is his album. You know he brought on a lot of other people to to guest star, um, but this is this is the Max show, right? And, and like the tribal aspects, they're really cool. Again, I think that's where it shows its strongest aspects. Um, but I just I cannot get behind the vocal style with all the distortion all the time. I wish it was a little more varied. It's just it's so much all the time throughout the entire album, and in some songs worse than others. Um, you know this is this is early new metal, so it's it's not fully developed at this time. Like this is this is more trend setting and experimental. Like a lot of bands obviously would follow in the footsteps of this. Um, so there is a maturity level there that I can, I can respect, but for me, it's just not my thing. I hear you. I hear you. I see you over there. <laughs> um, no, I get it, man. You know, it, it the, the style is not for everybody. Um, and as, as you can tell, and you know, he, he changed over the years and he evolved and, and like from, even from, you know, primitive kind of went a little bit more, a little less tribal, a little more new metal. Um, but it was also experimental. And then three from three on, it, it it gets more heavier, more straight up rhythm guitars, more straight up metal ish. Um, but there's still the, more groove metal, I guess you could say, a little bit away from the new metal portion, more into the groove metal, uh, which is fine. Um, but then he got more and more extreme as time went on. So. Um, it, it, I think the, the one thing we both of, uh, both of us know is that he, he changed. He's, I don't want to say he's back cause it's not, that's just not the way it, it works for him, but he's definitely doing something more extreme than he did before. Um, I personally like the album. So, um, where are you going to go with this? Which one are you siding with? So for me, and it's, to me, this was not an, a hard one. Um, I had to go with with Roots. Um, Roots to me has more songs that I can really enjoy. Uh, it's still got a lot of Sepultura 
in it even though you can see they've they've evolved heavily they've really gone and it, it an evolve almost isn't a fair word it's almost a mutation because like if if you say evolved you know you can see you know it's a gradual change in a in a way you know from um you know from beneath the remains to arise to chaos yeah, that's an evolution and you can yes. see that you can see that from chaos ad to roots but it's almost like they skipped a few steps you know they 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 went almost in the same vein as i would say like um injustice for all to metallica you know like there is a leap there between the two so i would say it's almost more of a mutation than an evolution right and that's, I guess, semantics. But for me, they still capture that feeling of Sepultura. Um, and with with Soulfly, it's just it's too far for me. You know, they integrated a lot of the the uh, industrial sound, which I've never been a fan of. Um, you know, so many uh, guest stars. It gives it variety, but it doesn't make it as cohesive as an album as as roots is and i just there's for me it, i don't know there's just something about soulfly that about halfway through the album i'm like man this is this is a chore <laughs> and it and it's it's no insult to them because you can tell they're they're very skillful and and I love that he's trying so many different things, but for me it was it was like sometimes it was just sonic assault, where I felt like sometimes with Roots there was more room to breathe, so I just to me it wasn't a hard decision like Roots to me is the superior album. Okay, I I uh, I see your point and I have to counterpoint it. I my for me I like the tribalism uh, of of soulfly more than i like the tribalism of roots um i think what what he was doing on roots he kind of for lack of a better term perfected on soulfly um but then he added all the other elements of music that he was into the the industrial portion the new metal the groove metal all that stuff just all combined to to do it all in one album the way he wanted to do it without having to you know worry about the history that was sitting behind him uh, in sepultura so i see where you're coming from um but for me i think there was more stuff to for me to enjoy on soulfly than there was on the sepultura's roots album so tonight and i can appreciate split. that <laughs> we are split you went we your are, way i went my way we are in <laughs> Yes. Um, what was the 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 phrase? Um, uh, we can open up our minds and go our own way, <laughs> as was said in Breed Apart. Okay, there you go. <laughs> I didn't read the lyrics. <laughs> uh, you didn't have to. He said it eighty-seven times in that one song. <laughs> but he was screaming. I couldn't understand that. <laughs> No. All right. Um, but that is it is true. We went a different direction. Okay, so that brings us now to the big four soulfly songs. So I put you through even more torture. <laughs> you had to pick four songs you thought were pretty good. Well, so 
this really didn't end up being as much torture as I thought it would be because, um, like you said, they really evolved and changed over the years, uh, really going back and, and even further into death metal. And there was a lot of stuff I found that I actually really enjoyed, especially in the later years. So why don't I start off? I, I started the whole thing today. So why don't I start off and then, and then, uh, you know, you're more of the soul fly connoisseur, so um, <laughs> All right. I kind of want to hear what you think after, obviously. So um, my number four is Master of Savagery off of Savages. This is a really cool song. Like, I ended up listening to it quite a few times. Um, it's just, it's really heavy. The album itself is is very good. Um, I, was, I was surprised because, um, you know, starting off with kind of what we listened to earlier with the the more new metal sound. I was very surprised that Soulfly went in this direction. Um, my number three is Ritual. Uh, sorry, is Dead Behind the Eyes from Ritual. Um, that is an awesome track. Like, I, I, I think they've even gotten heavier as they went along. And I'm really actually very excited to listen to the new album that's coming out this year. Um because it's it's pretty heavy um just the lyrically and and also you know thematically and musically i just i'm i'm very pleasantly surprised by the heaviness here uh my number two is titans off of archangel like that is a melodic song it is it is heavy um but also um, has a great solo in it. Very cool song. And then my number one is World Scum off of Enslaved. Um, Enslaved, I didn't like as much as a whole um, as some of the other albums that I just mentioned. But World Scum was super catchy, super melodic, heavy. Um, the vocals are just are like brutal. Um, really enjoyed that track. Um, definitely going on my uh, permanent list. Oh, that's cool. It's on your permanent record. Mm, permanent record, yeah. Well, I got to tell you, um, we don't have any crossover whatsoever. Um, I don't even. Th- I didn't think. I don't. We I don't think we even get close to uh, uh, an album to each other. Um, my <laughs> <laughs> my my stuff came off the first four albums. I think it was. Um, two of them off the same one. Um, it was a hard, it was for me, it was a hard choice not to put two songs from one album on here only because I really enjoy the album. Um, but my first song is Rise of the Fallen off of Omen, uh, which features Greg uh, Pusiato from the Dillinger Escape Plan on it. Um, again, him bringing in outside uh, artists to, to help him. I wouldn't even say help him, just guest starring. On, on the songs, yeah, it's I don't I don't consider it to be. Like, yeah, it's not it's not like oh I need this finished. Help me out. No, it's just says hey, would yeah. you like to do a solo? Yeah, hey, would you like to sing? Yeah, you know, so it's those kinds of things. Um, so yeah, I like that song, Rise of the Fallen. Um, number three, I kind of mentioned it earlier, Bump Clot, really cool song for me. Um, I love the riff, I love the rhythm. That's that's off of the, the album we just spoke about, Soulfly. Uh, number two is a song called. Pain off of Primitive, which is their second album. Um, that's another song that's dedicated to Dana. That to me, um, that lyrically, that that song hit me, um, and I really, really 
connect with that song. It's a, it's. I did like that one as well. That, that one's a pretty brutal song at some points. There's a lot of screaming on there. Um, but yeah, I, I really, really like that song. And number one for me is the number one song that, that they put out, Eye for an Eye. I just love that song. I mean, it's just so cool to me. So many things I to, to like about that song. If you are more into this kind of genre <laughs> than you are. But um, it's just, you know, it's one of those songs. It hooked me and has never let me go. So that's my number one. Very cool. I, I like, you know, I don't really know any of the songs that you picked because after um not i think it was after omen or there was what was this, the album after omen i believe from that point on i i did not listen to much um so now you have homework yes i knew i do got homework so there's omen uh and slave yeah after savages i was kind of like uh and then archangel like so it's funny because you and i met um uh, was it four and a half years ago four something like that four and a half years ago yeah and arch arch archangel um came out in 2015 which was seven years ago and when i heard that and it was just so extreme i'm like you know what i'm just not into it i just not into it i, I that's why i don't even think i've even given ritual a chance because i was just like no sorry I'm not doing it so but now but now i have i got changed. you you know Tomorrow I have to, <laughs> but um yeah so I I actually have a lot of this stuff up to and I think enslaved or savages and then after that I just went no I didn't want to but then again then you know like you got an album like Cavalier Conspiracy Inflicted came out I love that album there's really cool stuff on that album Blunt Force Trauma so then it goes the same route as what he did with Soulfly and Archangel and Ritual he just he just went extreme so I haven't even. I don't even think I've heard a note off of Psychosis, the Cavalier Conspiracy Project. So I, you know, I'm going to give all those a chance now. So thank you, Chris. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so anyway, well, that's our big four Soulfly songs for tonight. And that wraps up this episode of Debating Metal. So as a reminder, don't forget to like, subscribe, and download the show on your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget, you can interact with us by commenting on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or you can send us a DM as well. If you listen to us on YouTube, be sure to leave us a comment, or you can just send us an email to debatingmetal at gmail.com. So remember to tune into the next episode where we spark up another exciting metal debate. On behalf of Kenneth and myself, stay safe, and always turn it up to 11. See ya.